Americans, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and uh, white thing that I had birthed in another mother. Definitely Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, guys, before we finish, March Madness Month, a little business. If you guys could take a second right now, this second, uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple podcast app. That helps us out a lot. Defeat these corporate medical marine overlord uh, algorithmic trash bags that we got to defeat. So, yeah, you guys leave a five star, a couple sentences saying why you like hanging out with the show. Helps us bring more algorithm or uh, alchemist, not algorithm, alchemist onto the lifeboat and escape to freedom, uh, sweet cinematic freedom. Please go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe uh, to the Film Alchemist channel. That's what it's called. We have video versions of these pods and a lot of other fun stuff we're working on over there. Always more to come. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, or find us on all the social media you're on to let us know uh, any movies that you would like to hear us cover, whether they be new, old, a double feature, a theme for a whole month, uh, a guest host you'd like us to reach out to. Uh, whatever you want, we want to try to give that to you. So reach out. You are just really dwarfing <laughs> it up in the vid, distracting my professional intros. All right. Trying. Since Alex is just determined to mind me out of existence. Do my breast Brad Dwarf. Be quiet. <laughs> just sick for an audio format. <laughs> All right, so uh, we for finished, the YouTubers. That's right. We finished today. Our, our plentiful YouTubers of madness. Uh, one quick thing before we get into the episode, we dropped earlier this week our episode on the Empty Man, uh, the so lost gem of 2020. That I think everyone who listens to this show and enjoys what we do is gonna love the Empty Man. We it's were fortunate right up enough. Your alley. Yeah, we were joined by our friends Josh Lobo, uh, writer director of I Trap the Devil, and uh, film critic, writer, and YouTube superstar Chris Stuckman. It was an amazing deep dive. Uh, so go find that as well. Find those guys' works by I Trap the Devil. But today we are here to talk about uh, Alien Resurrection. This is how we're closing down March Madness. Yes! This might be the most mad of all the movies we've covered. Um, so, guys, I'm going to be up front. I'm going to be up front right with you because that's what we do here on this show. We're very honest. This here. is going to be a. I think the best adjective is violent defense of alien resurrection. I think it is one of the most unfairly maligned franchise films of all time. I fucking love this movie. There is so many good elements and big, awesome, fun ideas in this movie that work for me that the critiques of which there are, you know, many reasonable critiques, right? are so outweighed by the vast amount of awesome. So this is going to be a, a hearty defense of Alien Resurrection. Alex, are you uh, on the side of the defense for me, or will you be playing the part of prosecution? <laughs> what are we doing next month already? I yeah. am. <laughs> I am 100% unabashedly unashamed of how much I fucking love Alien Resurrection. Absolutely. 100% unfairly maligned movie. You just, you guys have got to give it one. And I really think that it, like, if once you get past, like, whatever weird thing hang up you have, this movie is like 
deeply entertaining, entertaining, despite the fact that it was written by Joss Whedon, who's a known creep. But well, let's let's focus here. Right. So this is where we can start. I truly do think there are two main gripes with this movie, or at least two that I would be like, all right, I acknowledge that. So the first one is I do think there is a, uh, a second act problem. Where yes. a traditional alien film is more about the unknown menace, right? This ever looming dread right. of impending alien coming at us. And the scares really work well that way. This one opts kind of for the exact opposite, right? Like we're going to show you a lot of cartoony ass aliens swimming and doing sporting events to get these <laughs> a lot of fucking space pirates. Yeah, it's badminton. It's strange. I understand the swimming sequence and a lot of that kind of stuff is not the tone and vibe that we dig from aliens. Fine. I'll grant you that. I think it plays more of a, it's just kind of a, by the numbers, we got to get to the thing, right? The least fun haunted house run ever. It's like, it's kind of like when you go to Halloween horror nights at universal and you're like this on paper seems fun, but I walked through uh, for three minutes after waiting for three hours and I missed all the scares and (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about that, right? Yes. So I'll grant you that. In the second one, I truly do think, I truly do think that the basketball scene is probably the rock in the shoe because this happens before the second act problem. And I think the outside, like this side of Escape from LA, this might be the worst use of basketball in a movie. (laughs) And what I I think- Escape from LA is amazing. I think it's the movie that, all right. All right there. (laughs) film hipster <laughs> this is something i want to do true. on this show too because film twitter has many things that drive some people nuts i don't think it's as bad as others do all the time but the thing i hate the most is someone will say this movie which we've all kind of agreed is objectively not good but maybe we have a soft spot for it and they'll be right right this movie needs to be re-examined it's a true classic and you're like you fucking liar you don't believe that you're trying to score film hipster yeah, points absolutely. it's okay to just admit a movie's not great and still enjoy watching that's fine I think this is one of those that actually needs a reexamination. But back to my basketball point. I think this is the moment in the film where the audience goes, oh, fuck. I don't know if this guy's going to land the ship. Right? I think it's the moment in the script where you're like, there had to be another idea that would have been better. And again, this has nothing to do with Ripley as an athletic specimen. But think back to Aliens, right? In Aliens, we find out that there's a synthetic on the ship because Lance Hendrickson does the knife between the fingers with Bill Paxton. Right. And it's one of the most awesome scenes in that movie. It's just badass, right? It's like visceral, you know, space armada shit, right? With Marines. Absolutely. It's awesome. Shooting hoops against horny Ron Perlman ranks very low as an event in the Olympiad chart of awesome sports feats, right? I think there's any number of things on a giant military medical grade ship with monsters in it that she could have done to show uh, how this has affected her body. I think once you see basketball, there is a, oh God, they're so lazy. I really think that sets in for the audience and you're like, (laughs) well, if they don't care, why should I care? And then that's almost immediately followed up by the cartoony alien bit. Sure. I mean, for me, the basketball thing is, yeah, like on the lower priority scale of like, how do we show <laughs> is different from the others? Because like, there's a, I think there's another step. There's another key to like why people don't want to do Alien Resurrection or admit that it actually is an entertaining movie. And that is the Ripley of it all. Ripley, this movie takes place 200 years after Aliens 3, which in which Ripley dies quite heroically, in fact. 
Um, so that I think is really fascinating because to me, and we've talked about this, it's always the give. You got to have a give in a movie. There's one yeah. thing that is so illogical. Like it's the true suspension of disbelief. There's always one that you got to give in a movie. You give that one so that you can actually enjoy the rest of it. You can't give two because that's ridiculous, but one is fine. You'd be shocked how many movies I never get three in a row. <laughs> You'd be shocked how many movies attempt to get to attempt to get you to give three. You're not going to give them, but the give in this movie is the emergence of Ripley herself, because I'm not going to lie to you through no fault of anyone's. I will never understand the earthly scenario in which Ripley <laughs> in which Ellen Ripley reemerges 200 years later as an alien hybrid clone. Look, it's no one's thing. I mean, look, we all want to see Sigourney Weaver in alien movies. That's part of our jam. That's how it works. I just never understood it, but it's the give I get to this movie. And I think that also is a big hangup for a lot of people. Once you get past that, the basketball scenario is yes. One of like, I don't know, 400 sports that you could have chosen from to display that Ripley is a superhuman. <laughs> yeah. I personally would have picked maybe archery anything else oh god that's even lower <laughs> if she's just shooting arrows at ron perlman's how awesome would have been erection. if she shot an arrow and like it went like if she like like you know what never mind either way it's a stupid <laughs> idea playing that's sports the thing. within is one not second the way you came playing. up with an idea that's equally as horrible if not a little better than what they I don't did know what archery is awesome i've done a lot of olympic sports in the last two weeks on the show i'm working on i know I'm just saying that. how many crew members how many passes of scripts someone had to like rent a basketball hoop from a prop house. Like there was probably literally 2000 moments where someone went, you gotta be fucking, I signed up for it. It reminded me of when, uh, I can't remember who it was. It was the drummer for the Colt, right? He joined guns and roses and he's like, yeah, I'm joining a badass rock, but he got there the album when all they wanted to do was ballads. Yep. And they interviewed him years later. He's like, Oh fuck. He's like, I don't want to join like a hair metal ballad band. I want to be in a kick-ass that's how I feel with it. But okay, to your point about the give, right? People get really mad about the time leap and Ripley being cloned, this and that. Aliens, she wakes up hundreds of years later yeah. too, right? So the time jump is nothing that new. Nothing new. I think the weird part of her being cloned, right, is the, the fetus existing in its form inside of her seems weird in its own way. I'll put it to you this way. I don't think of this as like a cloning story, right? In any way. To me, this is, it's a wonderful life with Ripley, <laughs> right? She wakes up and there is an, what I love about Ripley, because I think a lot of the complaints in this, right? Is that Ripley was this badass, just she knows how to do her job and she takes no shit and she kicks ass. Right. She doesn't need a, you know, help from anyone. She's just going to get the fucking job done. She became this, right way before her time kind of woman hero that we you know all like seeing on the screen she's an archetype now right um and in this one they turn her into a, a xeno sue right she's just she comes back and it's like oh well now i have acid blood and i can i can right. hear my babies and i mean and there, there's a there's a weird despondentness to her right that, that makes her a less active protagonist but again i think this is cool because what it almost feels like is ripley's walking through this like Dante's Inferno of her existence, right? Yeah. So she I wakes up and disagree. she's just kind of this 
She doesn't she doesn't care like in the other ones because the stakes are different. She's not really Ellen Ripley. No. Right. She is this because it because it walks. It works on two fronts. Right. It's this like haunted hell walk for Ripley. So her being less engaged makes sense to me. And then you mix it with this. There's a really cool thing they do in the movie, which is the inevitable journey of evolution and science clashing. Right. And the kind of Zeno Ripley's and then the Ripley with acid blood. Right. So I mean, I I I actually enjoy the way they use Ripley in this movie. Oh no, I think the Ellen Ripley of this. When I say it's a give, that's for everyone else. I personally, I don't care that I don't understand it. I think it's awesome because yeah. to me, this is the real like key of the whole thing. Is this is the first of all the Alien movies where Ripley is not waking up in a situation she's not a, like she has no control over. This is the first time. We're getting to watch a movie where Ellen Ripley is actually, or whatever, Ripley 8 or whatever version she is. Mm -hmm. This is the first time where Ripley is actually a participant in the chaos itself. She's not reacting to everything. She kind of has a vibe of what's going on anyways because of what's inside her or what's around her just in general. So for me personally, I actually really like this version of Ripley a lot. And I think Sigourney Weaver does such, I mean, she's great anyways, but like Sigourney Weaver does such a good job of, knowing as an actress she's not playing the same character she's played three movies past like that takes a lot of i think that takes a lot of skill and a lot of effort and i think that's why i think that's another reason people kind of get thrown off in this movie a lot is because you see ripley you know it's oh this is the same actress who's played ripley but it's not ripley it's a very different thing and i think that that's what's cool is this is the first time in a long this is the first time in a long time where or i mean in ever that ripley is less the protagonist and more the uh sort of the anti-hero almost like because she's I mean, constantly she, goading everyone no she is she is a deus ex machina in this movie like she exists yeah. to explain things that don't all the way click together right but again even if it's not narratively as smooth right, right. i think they use ripley to really because there here's the difference right Ripley is somewhat on the same journey, right? I'm on a ship. These fucking corporate greedy fucks are going to unleash this hell force. I must stop it, right? The difference is, so like the dinner scene, right? Where her and Bradley Dorff and the scientists are all talking, right? And he's like, we've been training you, right? That little prick is just like laying into her. And she, but the difference is, is the line she states in that moment is the, uh, you're all going to die. All going to die. It's inevitable. Like, the motives might be different. You might say it's for this and that. He's like, oh, we'll get alloys and medicine and we'll get that out of you too, right? She's now like them. But when she says that, it's inevitable. The, the tone, she's having the same scene she's had in every movie, yeah. right? If you guys well, since aliens. with this. No, even Alien, right? Because when she finds out that, uh, I think his name's Ash in the first one, right? The synthetic, what, yeah. his, his priority is he has to preserve that that creature right when she finds that out and she's like you're putting them in front of us right she kind of knows so this is the same scene every single movie she has the you cannot fuck around with this thing or it will get you and this one the inevitability she just knows yeah that they're gonna die so she's i already know what's coming right it doesn't really care like i think what's cool is it's not the it's not the usual reaction. I think that's a really important thing about this movie is Ripley's reaction to things in this movie is not what we're used to. Like my, all, one of my all time favorite scenes 
in the franchise in general is um, in Aliens when she's asked to describe like what happened on the Nostromo, which is literally like just like I can tell you this, this is what happened, and then like the um, I can't remember, I can never remember the female actress's name, but where she's like Vasquez just, is like, the character. I that's think, right? Vasquez. Thank you. Yeah, Vasquez is just everyone at a point like, that kind of thing. She's like, I hope you're right. Like that to me is one of my all time favorite Aliens moments is like her literally like begging them like the confidence you show is fine mm-hmm. but you have absolutely no idea what you're up against this is the <laughs> yeah. first time where she's like you guys have no idea what you're up against and you seem to not care so why would i care and why would i care as well like it's the aloofness that i think is so fascinating about ripley this time simply because yes there's some shared dna with aliens in general but I think it's a matter of the way that they're playing, the way that she's playing her character this time is more about the knowledge she carries and the genetic like inheritance she has. So that plays a factor so often in how she decides to act in around everybody, like the way she is around uh call, which is, um, uh, shit. What is her actual name? Winona Ryder's character. Mm-hmm. The way she acts around call, and the way she acts around all the scientists, which is not like all the scientists seem perfectly smug. Like, I got to tell you, like, as far as like the smug scale of scientists and movies, like, oh, I have this under control. There's like Jurassic Park and these guys, <laughs> they're like the same level of yeah. smugness of like, I know how to control nature. Yeah, it's wonderful. And like, what I love is that <laughs> Ripley, Ripley finds a way. <laughs> Ripley finds a way. And it's literally like she herself is nature it's she is nature itself she is the progression of nature beyond so like for her to sit there and be like you're all gonna die and knowing the inevitability of that that not just just like oh you're gonna die of old age but knowing the inevitability that it's going to come soon like but this that's the that's the that. inherited memory right is she's like in every movie right totally alien she wants to shave her save her shipmates right alien she wants to save newt right Mm-hmm. alien three she's going to save life itself yeah <laughs> she does the falling into the lava like jesus right like i'll take yep. this to the grave that's great and this one she's just fucking laughing she's like it's absurd yeah i did everything i could and i saved you you fuck, guys and still you still did. fucking couldn't so, it's so like, this is this is I the fun it. thing though right because you're you're paralleling the xenomorphs are cool before you know the Prometheus sequels and shit tried to ruin it, they're cool because they are this perfect creation of nature. That what they have done is they have harnessed over countless planets and life forms and whatever. They have honed themselves into this absolutely perfect murdering machine. All they do is destroy and replicate, right? Right. For Ripley to see them come back and have to deal with this right now ripley is a little bit in that skin because there's that great scene at the start when oh we finally got a living embryo can we keep her yeah right it kind of has a very creepy tone right and he's like yeah you can keep her and what they've done in that moment is they are keeping her only as an experimental species like the xenomorph she is no longer one of them she's not with them right she is this extra ghost lingering thing and so watching this per progression of ripley into this also honed into a new thing right she's like the it's like the caveman drawing of her becoming a xenomorph eventually (laughs) it's it's kind of a fun place and so 
her just laughing at all these fucking, you know, lunatics yeah. that are like, yeah, we can put three aliens in a cage. What could go wrong? Right. Is fucking insane and did not ask her what the fuck do these like all of it is fucking crazy. Right. But well, the, the moments you look for in this, right. Is the really fun thing they do, right? So Ripley is just laughing at the whole movie as it plays. Right. But you see the Ripley emerge, right? And that's the part I like. Is the start, she's more of this hybrid, I'm more xenomorph than Ripley. Right. You see that change. And by the end, she is, the Ripley reasserts itself, right? The yeah. Ripley is the nature that wins out. The scene that I will never forget from this movie is when she finds the lab with the, the oh, rejected yeah. what Ripley's, a great right? what a this, great this abomination gallery of Ripley's. so good it's it's just one of the most stunning scenes in the whole franchise and watching this ripley who's just laughed right you're gonna die who do i fuck to get off this sh-? like she just is doing these fucking you know ludicrous lines or whatever but in that moment she understands right she sees this degradation Right. This this fucking abomination of how they treated this poor fucking woman and realizing that she's just another part of that chain. Mm -hmm. It's it's fucking beautiful, to be honest. I love that fucking scene. Right. I do, too. Yeah. And then you see the xenomorph with the human skin on Ripley. It's it's fucking awesome. Like, I don't know how you see that scene. And you're like, that one moment alone is worth this whole fucking movie. I mean, is that not just like the imperfect encapsulation of these movies in general as you're just sitting there? It's a, it's literally a person walking through a horror show of her, of not her making, but her people continually trying to make her, that is terrifying. Like, and imagine like there's this sort of really fascinating metaphor to me of her walking through that because really what it is, is this she's walking through every version. She's walking through every version of Ripley. Like, it doesn't matter. Like that is the most disturbing. That's the most disturbing moment in all of the alien, all the alien quadrilogy, I guess I'm not counting the other ones, but like of all the alien, <laughs> all the original alien movies, the most disturbing moment is literally Ripley walking through and realizing that she's not being treated as this. It's not a matter of her being this great, awesome unforgettable heroine it's her being a science experiment and needing to be replicated simply to create more of this death more of this destruction because these people think it's somehow a manageable a manageable way to keep things in life like it's fascinating to me that people can watch this movie and not enjoy it simply for that scene alone i agree yeah crazy you can't pull and extrapolate all that stuff right out of that scene and realize how cool this movie actually is. It's fascinating. Well, the aliens franchise has always operated on zombie rules as much as anything else. Right. Where the people on the ship have to become the monster. Right. Right. Not as much an alien. You could say that I think it's Ash is the first synthetic. Ash is the first kind of bad. When he starts attacking them, you know, and trying to help the xenomorph. Now it is, you know, oh, there's a monster among us. Right. Mm hmm. And in the second one, you get, uh, you know, what's his name? Paul. I can't remember. Yeah. The uh, the guy from that terrible sitcom my mom used to watch. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Yeah. <laughs> she used to watch this horrible sitcom with him. It's mad about anywho, you. <laughs> yeah. I was mad about having to watch that shit every week. It was terrible. <laughs> but anywho, he's a great example, right? As he's this little fucking weasel that, you know, he's the monster among us. And this movie's another great 
example, right? Where we just see that monster among us thing. I mean, in a way, I guess Alien 3 kind of has that in, a, in an obscure way of look at how they just left these human beings like trash. Yeah. Like they're nothing, right? And then they only come when there's a valuable xenomorph. But anywho, this scene highlights the best thing about Alien, which is it showing us the difference that, between us and the alien is that the aliens are just doing what they're programmed to do, right? Which is right. breed and, you know, just be the best version of their species so they can keep living, right? There's no kind of malice to it. It's just inevitable, as Ripley says. Right. What this is, is you are seeing them just so twist the flesh to try to capture that, but you can tell it comes from a mind and heart with vile intentions. Right. And it's, I mean, I, I just think it's, if you were to show like, what are the three alien scenes that show why this is a great franchise? I think this might be one of mine, honestly. And I know people are probably screaming, fuck you. But I really, really like I don't like know why you would. Stuff. I would agree with it. This is <laughs> one of the best scenes in the alien movies. Like, it's literally uh, the character, this character that we've loved, this character that we have been with the entire time. Our hero of the story is literally looking at her own mortality in a way that none of us have ever had the experience of looking at it. Like she's looking down at literally a version of herself who's asking her to kill her. Like, but what that scene does too is it has another enormous impact, right? Which is that's the scene where Ripley decides that it does matter. Right. So even though exactly. she's not Ripley, that's when she decides, I won't kill the scientist. I'm going to try to keep these people alive. I'm going to fight. So yep. watching this fucking horror show gives her that inner fire back and, you know, reignites Ripley. So it's really it's it's a really cool character turning point in a movie that I think people absolutely slam for having no characters story. Um, the other thing I wanted to get to right now is this might be one of the best supporting cast in the whole franchise. Oh, by far. Yeah, because oh, the ship, the, the ship I mean, pirates, right? The like smugglers who come aboard. Betty? Yeah, dude, they absolutely. I have this thing. It's it's a D and D player thing. I think I love awesome crews, right? Like I love the meet the team where you see like the weird. Oh, I'm the two gun guy who can aim well, and Ron Perlman's just that you know chaos agent. Right. The, you know, the mechanic in the wheelchair who's also got a gun in his chair. I fucking love this crew so much. And their introduction in the first little bits of them before they just start running in a straight line yeah. is awesome. That's great. I fucking love I mean, this crew. That like 20 minute section from like when you're on the Betty and you're meeting everyone. Like first off, any movie that's going to get Michael Wincott involved and give me like the guy who plays like I fucking that guy has a voice for the ages. I don't know why people don't use him more. Like, I think he's absolutely incredible. Well, the crow but, took his ass out. No. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but like Michael Wincott's an amazing actor. Ron Perlman's great. Uh, that guy from Amelie. Uh, I don't know. His, I think is uh, Dom Dominic Pinone. I love he, that guy so much. He's so good. Like everybody is great in this movie. Like, and yeah, everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their shtick, but that 20 minutes right there kind of like, sounds off the cast itself it's pretty rare you get like especially in alien movies like aliens has a dynamite team like they're all like they're all great every all movie so is great. just loaded every movie with has a great actors. crew but this is the first one where you've had like this is the first one where they're not all caught in one place i think this is a really important thing and a really important distinction for alien resurrection is that 
these people are coming to the ship. They are voluntarily showing up because they're bringing these cryostasis people who are going to get. Uh, well, aliens, they went to the planet. They're like, we're going to save right. some Terra miners. But they're all things. together. Like they've been yeah. together since since the, since the jump. You know, mm-hmm. this is the first one where like Ripley meets the team. Ripley meets the team in the middle of chaos. And she decides like, there is something very interesting about that. And then on top of that, they're just like, who doesn't love fucking space pirates? I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, they're literally there. Cause they just kidnapped miners and were like, yeah, use these guys as fuck tubes. <laughs> <For these aliens. laughs> and it's like, Oh man. Perfect. But, I mean, that's the thing. They all have great cast. I think what separates this cast is it, it plays more in the, it, it's, it's self-aware of the genre, right? So what Janae is doing in the film is it feels like you're watching a serialized science fiction romp, right? Whereas Alien's a very serious kind of horror film. Aliens is an action movie. Alien 3 is just kind of sad, like sad human (laughs) stuff, which is great. I like Aliens 3 a lot. But it's like, it's like, isn't it sad to be a human man? This one is so aware. They're doing this kind. Again, it's, it's just like a space pirate romp, right? monsters right. in space let's go yeah it's like crawl right but on a spaceship and you're like <laughs> i like that element of it right so while you could say that the other have better performance and maybe even stronger cast i love this cast because they all so immediately buy in to the movie that they're making right they're not just trying to be that last they know this is kind of a more pony up flick right this is a you know a little more slapsticky yeah and I think they do a great job, right? The exception to that is in the middle of this kind of mad romp, you know, through uh, this ship is Bradley Dourif just giving one of my favorite performances in oh the franchise. Oh my God, dude, come on. He is just like, <laughs> he's he starts the movie as like creepy, maniacal, like nearly kind of sexual with the yeah. aliens thing. And then ends it. As- I would say we could just throw that kind of straight in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> he you must not have ran to- test on the uh, acidity of the inner body of these aliens. Yeah, that dude definitely wanted to fuck a xenomorph. Uh, yeah. And then, but the thing that I love, and this has always been my favorite part too. And I remember the first time I saw this, I'm like, this is like Bradley Dorif like doing what he does the best. Yeah. When he's finally like the prophet at the end of the movie. Like, so it's like he's like sitting there cocooned in the nest and everything. And literally, like he looks like Randy Marsh when he relieved himself in that. He's just like crusted himself <laughs> to the wall. I love that the alien queen's like, I've been over oh here God. pregnant. I didn't goo him to the wall. And Bradley Dorf's like, no, I plastered myself up here. <laughs> I was just so stoked to be. Here. He has this awesome like voice of God thing where he's literally just explaining to Ripley, like, look what you did. Yeah. Look what you did. Like we'll it's this creepy scene, monologue. But I love Bradley his, Dorf. This movie. His scene though, his scene, you know, the scene. Oh, I know the scene. His scene is when he's watching. Yes, your your famous YouTube bit here. When he is mouthing, because it, awesome. it, it's funny because it, it I think it looks at the start like he's mocking them. Uh, yeah, the power totally. thing. I don't actually think that's what it is. I think he has a pure love and adoration. I, I think for he these wants things. to kiss that thing. Like, well, because the last thing he does is on the glass before he negs it. Right, it's a classic yep. dominatrix move. When he negs it with the fucking cryo, the fucking, uh, bi- the fucking 
it's not steam it's like cold freeze right yeah it's uh like liquid nitrogen because yeah, when yeah. the marine gets it his arm snaps off which yeah, is awesome. yeah but yeah so that's what he's hitting the xenomorphs with but he has the two because that scene of him just looking at them with pure adoration is another one of those this is a great microcosm of why this series rules is because you're just seeing this this fucking guy like he's looking at these things in such a science pornographic light you know he he's just looking through these fucking vaseline covered rosy tinted lenses yeah. he cannot tell the danger that is but inches from his face and i think that's really cool and you pair that to the scene when because also i i thought it was really clever the way the aliens get out when they sacrifice one of their own i think that was awesome i mean grant i was like wouldn't that like eat through the whole ship stop stop doing that it's a it's a you know an alien space pirate thing right but when when he looks back and he's got that like single tear like oh fuck uh probably because he's like oh finally it's like uh, i gotta go lay down this erection's gonna make me pass out but also fear it's also that i mean th- those those bits right there though brad again bradley dorf in this movie to me worth the entire price of admission man i just i, I think there's so many great it the problem with alien resurrection is that when all the best stuff I liked in the movie, except for the ending, had happened, I paused the movie and there was an entire hour left. So all of the shit that we've talked about, how much we love happens in the first 50 first hour. Yeah. And then there is about 45 minutes of really lackluster and uninspired running through floors of the ship. Uh, where it's just kind of it's very Poseidon adventure it's not very interesting and then yeah the the final with her seed her progeny I love right but I that's what I think if you focus in on the start of this like even uh what's Dan Hedaya's like this might be the worst casting in the history of the alien franchise but I know Uh, you love it I mean it's because it's so shocking like (laughs) I gotta be honest like he must have just been on the lot that day. Like it's the weirdest casting. Like He's whoever a great they had, actor. No, no, I don't have a problem with them. Doesn't fit at all in this. But like, imagine any other actor in that role, and the fact that it's Dan Hedaya is just, you're just like, no one must have been available that day. Like something <laughs> happened to the actor who was originally going to do it. Yeah, was Arlie Emery just not available to like you know <laughs> bring some gravitas? They, like, but they keep it, insulting Hedaya where he's so fucking undercut you almost think it's to comical effect right yeah the, the breathalyzer doors i was like this is so ridiculous like i think right. about every other actor <laughs> but, like it was so weird because i remember like the first time i watched it i'm like why is the dad from night at the roxbury in this like this is a weird <laughs> casting for me because i was like this is like yeah arlie ermy like clancy brown like a lot of like actors who have been military guys and like literally any other movie this would make sense. The guy who fucked from, from fucking Breaking Bad, who's in Starship Troopers, like that guy, like everybody guy. else, there, any there other must guy, five hundred guys. There must be five hundred other actors who could do this, and like, oh, it's crazy to me, but also kind of awesome that they're like, it's got to be Dan Hedaya. It's, it's endearing because it plays back into this kind of straight to DVD kind of crazy sci-fi that we got a lot in the eighties. Yeah. There's a part though, I was like, is he on that ship for scientific reasons? Because when he wakes up, whatever's going on with that shoulder hair, I was like, you need to get a fucking biology science team in there and fucking figure out what's happening to this poor Rube. <laughs> you know, like whatever's the way it's backlit too. I was like, he looks like the leader of the Umbrella Academy. 
Like, what the fuck is happening to this poor fucking rube of a captain? Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable the shoulder hair on this guy. It's incredible. <laughs> incredible. But, but it's like between that and the breathalyzer and shit, I'm like, they constantly are undercutting this motherfucker. And I didn't mind it. He's he's just kind of one of those. There are things in a movie where you see it and a casting like this normally is a problem in a movie to me. So it distracts me from the movie. So you're like, why did they cast a person who's so not capable of bringing what this role needs? This role needs gravitas. I am the runner of a medical military operation. This is for the good of mankind. There should be some gravitas to that, right? There should, right. you know, I'm making deals for dead bodies. I'm a, you know, instead he's played as this kind of weaselly, like this will get me back in. You know, they won't mock my shoulder hair anymore. I'm back. And he's just, but the quirkiness of it kind of works. And when he gets his brain mashed out by the tongue stabber, yeah, you're like, it's, it's, a fittingly charming death for a weird casting. And so that's what this movie does a lot is just bring these weird disparate elements in. Right. It's just loaded with ideas like that at the start. So you have this amazing kind of, you know, Ripley doing a Jimmy Stewart through her fucking broken, horrible life. This, you know, the fucking absolute taint of life's joke, right. Just mocking her, trying to find some humanity. Then you got this fucking goofball, hairy captain, then you got this awesome pirates that are just fucking making thermos guns and the Very wheelchairs cool. a gun, right? Like it's it's just awesome. If the movie had kept that for the full duration, I mean, I think this is one of the more beloved moments. I think it's that that kind of weird 30 to 40 minutes at the end there that that kind of stunted some of this. Yeah. I mean, there is that like really bad sort of it's like really bad. Like you're saying in the beginning, like haunt this haunted house thing in the middle is just not very interesting and not very good. And like, I think it's also something we've seen before in alien, but to a much greater effect. Like I think of aliens a lot of the time is like this, like trying to escape, but can't really escape. It works much better than well. Imagine aliens where they have the radar, right? They're right on top of us, man. And when she lifts her head up, through that great or when uh you know whoever lifts their head up through that ceiling right. and you see the fucking aliens and it pops off amazing you know what's interesting i realized right? there's not a movie. scene like that in this movie i realized watching this movie that i completely blended the under like when they're f- swimming through the um kitchen mm-hmm. i actually blended that scene with the scene where they're swimming through the kitchen in deep blue sea because i thought <laughs> I, I know this sounds weird it's hard to miss those two make mix those two up, but I thought I remembered a scene where someone's standing and getting like chomped. And I realized when I was watching, cause Hillard, the um, girl with the thong in the very beginning, who's uh, with uh, Michael Wincott, she's the one who gets uh, killed uh, while they're underwater. I realized I replaced that kill with the Michael Rappaport kill in deep blue sea. And I'm like, and again, like that's so somewhere how, like, in your brain. There's a, a grafted image of Michael Rappaport and a thong getting his fucking feet placed on devil's night. I guess like <laughs> that's like, but that's I like, the, <laughs> but I think that's the kind of the like really weird thing about that section of the movie in general is that it is just like sort of standard fare. And I don't, I think that's what doesn't sit well with people. A lot of the time when they're watching this is because alien, is so not like that. Mm. So for us to kind of like, I don't know, sit on old tricks doesn't. My head is like a xenomorph. No, <laughs> it. 
But again, it's See, one of those two now. where you're just now like, I'm going to remember that. Why forever. is there so much water on this spacecraft? A lot of water. Like it's just it, it just shows, and I think this it's is weird. the thing is I feel like they hired a director and they didn't all the way trust where he was going. This feels like studio notes issues. Very much. That's just lazy because they're just like it's like a boat. Do what? Like it, it's just. No, it's right. so uninteresting. There's a lot of the you can see the studio intervention here and there. It is kind of interesting because Pair like that this, scene with the alien rising out of the water to grab Newt. It's like that's that's the problem with this section. Yeah. I mean, this is like this is the kind of crazy thing about this movie, and especially like the way it was made, is because like at the time I, I read a lot about how this movie got made because to me, like I, I think um Jean-Pierre Jeannot, who's the guy who directed is the same guy who directed Amelie, which is, again, he's an amazing director. It's a weird choice to direct this movie simply because, like, the guy has guy doesn't speak English. He had to have an interpreter on set the whole time. Uh, also, at that time, the other, like, there was, like, they didn't have studio space to shoot this movie. So, like, because the other movies that were shooting in all the studios in the city <laughs> were Titanic, Starship Troopers, and The Lost World. So like Jesus. literally every major studio did not have room for this movie to be made. So like when you look at it, <laughs> to me, that's the thing that's really fascinating is like it feels very independent in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know how you feel about like the spaceship stuff, but all that stuff seems very like low budget in a lot of ways. It feels are, like those Canadian science fiction TV shows. From yes. The yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yes. But like um, whatever it's, that it's star, crazy, star though. maker or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so brutal because you see something like delicatessen or Amelie or mm -hmm. uh, what city of lost children. Is that? Yeah. City of yeah, lost children. I fucking, those movies are movies. so unique in their cinematic language, right? The visual mm -hmm. storytelling is so beautiful. And then to see this just kind of muted, it's weird. visual version of this because again you can see the kind of quirky characters and he worked with Perlman in a lot of his stuff right yeah so you can see the kind of you can see those fucking bits of what could have been right well there's a and lot of just, black comedy in it like it's, yeah but i mean it, it just it's weird the, it's so visually flat so often yeah right that like it's, scenes in delicatessen right where it's like using the the bed squeaks and then we're cutting around this dilapidated house of cannibals you're like that's what this movie could desperately have used to church it up. If you're yeah. not going to follow the alien looming dread, right? The, you know, Damocles xenomorph, as it were, fucking go nuts with it. You know what I mean? That's what this movie really needed. Right. And it just felt, it feels like a handcuff job to me. A the thing bit, is, yeah. and I think this movie would have failed a lot of us, but I think the ending for me absolutely delivers. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily like the last couple moments, but I fucking adore uh, Ripley and the queen and uh, the little white chud. I fucking <laughs> love that segment. Can we name him? So Can fucking we name much. him? <laughs> yeah. So Ripley and the xenomorph queen and Stephen Miller. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots no. fired. Shots fired. We're very political on this show now. Yeah. Wait, who's that guy? No, he's the little fuckhead. I <laughs> I was just like, who looks like the saddest, baldest white I can think of? And I was like, Stephen Miller. Stephen but Miller. neither here nor there, right? So right. Ripley and Stevie, Lil Stevie, <laughs> and the Xeno Queen, right? Had their showdown. And Bradley Dwarf's fucking pasted himself to the wall. 
doing a narration, right? Oh, hello. Oh, hello, he's doing, an, he's doing an ASMR for himself. Oh, oh, vaginal birth now. <laughs> it's like the weirdest fucking niche pornography. He's like, he's like the nurse who has never seen a vaginal birth before, and he's sitting there like, oh. Yeah, he looked like oh. me when my first child was... <laughs> No, Bradley Dorf's the exact opposite. He was so in. But <laughs> this scene has some other shit that I love, right? I love the idea that Ripley has corrupted an alien queen. Me too. Because it's awesome. There is no fucking argument to be made that the alien queen giving birth in this way is an improvement on the model they had. Absolutely. In, every, uh, in aliens, we see her make hundreds of eggs. And all she has to do is find a place with rube human beings. Doesn't seem that hard in this universe, right? They're like, we're coming for the money. Clearly. Face hugged out of existence, right? right? And this one, she just makes one little Stevie. And he comes out and fucking slices her head off. And again, I love that, that this kind of melted humanoid xenomorph just so easily crushes the queen. It's yeah. this absolute fuck you to the, the apex pinnacle predator that the xenomorphs have become. Totally. Show that Ripley took her revenge in a way as well. I yeah, I think that's the best part about it is that it does feel like Ripley's revenge a little bit. Like yeah. it's like you think you're this apex predator, you think you're the queen. Truly, I'm gonna give you what I have, and I'll show you the flaw. Yeah. Like I'll show you your true flaw. Well, she's like just that. like you say, getting fucking smacked out of an airlock is bad. Wait till you push a kid out. <laughs> You want to know real torture and pain and hell? You want to know real torture? You're going to give birth, bitch. Yeah, and then that motherfucker, she's going to turn around and slap your face off. Slap your face off. But I I just thought that was a poetic moment to me. It might just be visually kind of weird enough that I dug it, and Bradley Dourif just being there really worked for me. But I thought it was pretty amazing, honestly. And And then, you know, again, we do a really boring – the ship is 200 yards. It's like, what do we have to do? Just kind of walk. You'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> right. And they jump into a it. ship and they just disappear. Right. That I yeah. mean, kind of the ticking clock is this ship's going back to shithole country earth. Oh no. That's what Ron Perlman <laughs> says, right? He's doing the, what a shithole country earth, shithole planet earth. <laughs> right. And uh, so that's like what we're supposed to care about, even though we've never been bonded to earth in any of these movies. Not at all. But, you know, it plays on our we live on Earth. Oh, my God. Right. Um, I guess I care about Earth in like 10,000 years, whatever. But. Her running out. Right. And it kind of gets into this, you know, oh, calls a robot. You know, we kind of did that scene. Yeah. You know, we're we're all cool. Right. Ripley's not hateful of robots anymore. Fine. Whatever. Actually, can I I, I have to before um, yes. the uh, the guy who plays DeStefano, um, he's uh, this actor named Raymond Cruz. He's in training day, too. He's the guy who has the lines like, get my shit pushed in, bro. Okay. That he's, poor guy. That's going to be on his gravestone. He's the guy in this. Okay. He does the exact same bit, though, when he finds out that Winona Ryder's character is an Auton, which is basically a robot created by robots. And I thought that was a cool idea. And too. I think it's I a wish really we cool idea. Some of that. I thought that was awesome. I love that bit. Like when she talks to the ship, I think that's really cool. But like, she came on as an assassin, and they just kind of let it float. In the awesome, breeze. but yeah, she would have like, been cooler. But he has this. Oh shit! I've never even seen one. Oh my god, it's so fucking cool. Like he's like, he's basically like the fanboy who's in Hall H who got like a great seat and saw like you know 
Elizabeth Olsen up close. Like, he's like, oh my God, it's so cool. Like, it's, push my shit in. That's what Bradley Dorf, that's what Bradley Dorf was saying when he crusted himself to the wall. But no, for me, it was just like, sorry, going on. I don't know how that guy wasn't just part of the crew because he, he starts off as like the, the rule following Marine. He's like one of the fucking Marines. Like, and he's it just so immediately weird. becomes a space pirate so happily. He's so happy to be a space pirate. He's just sorry. like, yeah, that last guy with all the body hair, gross. I'm a pirate. Sorry, now. strange aside, but I think Raymond Cruz is like one of my all time favorite character actors. That's what in I mean. This thing is just loaded with really cool little performances, man. Yeah. And yeah, I, I liked the ending of I liked watching Ripley save these people and call at the expense of what is essentially her project child. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked I liked because that's one of the weird things they do in the movie is she keeps calling herself the mother of monsters. Right. Yeah. And it feels like she's playing this this kind of game. And mm-hmm. that starts to break a little bit once she sees the the hall of Ripley's right. Yeah. And so I love at the end, it comes full circle in a really nice way for me where she she does send this child out, but she has this really kind of cool bonding moment with it. Uh-huh. And I don't think is absolutely just to set it up for betrayal. I think she's actually torn before she makes that decision, which is kind of a weird place for that that moment to sit. I agree. And when she does she it and she's holding on. The emotion that Sigourney Weaver plays is regret and mourning. It's horrifying. How tragic like this is. She's a mother who she's a mother who knows. Like, I'm not saying mothers do this, but like, she's a mother who knows that her child is a killer. Like, she has to. Yeah. She knows that this cannot survive because it's well, one of them. If if a human baby, let's say one out of five of them, came out and ripped the mom's face off, we'd be killing babies. All yeah, the time. I'm not saying that that's <laughs> not a thing. Yeah, but like, our babies are weak and frail and lovable. Yeah, but it is just one of those things where you're just sitting there and you see it's it is this like motherly regret of like, I wish I could save you. I wish I could teach you to be one of us, but like you're not. And I can hide in plain sight, but you can't. It's it's truly it actually is like it's pretty emotional when you think about it. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's, it's well done. And I know people shit all over the creature design, but I actually really like it has these really beautiful eyes. Yes, like the What's eyes really the played design? a lot for me. People I mean, don't it's like not, the creature design. I guess it's not the coolest thing I would ever. Is it because you can't but... see the dick? Is it because you can't see the dick? They took the dick yeah, out. Yeah, that was my really big hang up. <laughs> That's everyone's hang up. I can't see its fucking penis. What's the point? I mean, this movie just has like kind of a ghost phallus energy throughout it that like. <laughs> I was pretty set by the end of the film. I this movie is essentially a giant dick in their face the entire time. Yeah, I didn't need the Xeno hog at the end. I was like, I get it. Uh, this is more about a mom and her baby. But I, I like that part, man. In the final shots of like seeing like an actual beautiful, nice earth that, hey, it's better than we thought. I don't know that that part matters, right? There is Doesn't this, much this thing me. with Ripley, right? She's just killed the only creature that is like her in the universe. Mm-hmm. And she knows probably that her life is going to continue to be this fucking hellscape that it always is. They're not just going to let them land and let Ripley walk away. I'm sure there's notes on a hard drive that's like, hey, she's worth a lot. She's got the Xeno blood. Who knows? But anywho, just that that kind of moment of her seeing this earth, which is, she's never been to. It's kind of a false concept in general to her. Mm-hmm. But she at least kind of gives it a, yeah, it could be cool. There's hope, right? It, it, it's kind of just, a, a fittingly serene ending for this movie. Like I, I, so again, I think that sandwich on either side of that rough patch are just really cool, big sci-fi ideas that are really fun. 
in an amazing group of actors playing really interesting characters in what could have been so much more, but still ends up being a really fun experience in the alien franchise. I I mean, people talk about this movie like it's unwatchable. And I just think that's insane. I don't think this is escape from LA level. No, I don't think this escape from LA is another one of those like, woof but that has cool moments too i think this one is a better version of that. yeah i don't think this is an unwatchable movie like i've seen unwatchable movies we griffy and i went to the theater and watched justice league there's plenty of unwatchable <laughs> movies out there well snyder bros we like to cut don't come at us i'm i'm strictly talking about another movie i watched but <laughs> legitimately like this is not to me an unwatchable film like to say it's unwatchable is kind of disingenuous and like you're just like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but well at the same time, through a tiny blowhole or a suck hole. <laughs> but at the same time, like this is, this has all of the earmarks, has all of the DNA again of an alien movie, but it does something different. And that's really all you can ask, especially for a movie that's the fourth in a franchise. If you're going to ask a movie to be the fourth movie in a franchise, you got to expect it to go places you're not expecting it to go. And I think. Other than 30 or 40 minutes of really bad haunted house Poseidon adventure shit, this movie itself actually works very well for me as an alien movie. But even then, right? So sandwich in this kind of rough, like not super interesting trek through the ship, right? Yeah. We still have, uh, you know, the guy in the wheelchair getting carried on someone's back as they swim underneath. They're shooting underwater rockets. Yep. There's still plenty of just still stuff to check okay out. stuff going on. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Uh, you get to see the xenomorphs in a new environment showing again how they can adapt to it. I mean, it's it's fine. It's just fine. It's fine. It's just people. Again, I do, would like to have seen the, that Jeannot touch really hit the visual yes. storytelling. I mean, that's, like, that's the big thing that I, I wish I could have seen. I think for movie. me, there's camera movements in there that are Jeannot-ish. But like, again, because it's an action movie, I think it's a matter of comfort and I think it's a matter of like, studio a little bit but yeah there is enough in there where i feel like i'm watching at least a little bit of Janelle, but at the same time like it's but it's you know, also one of those guys it's like you, gonna you have alien you have aliens you have alien three so pretty much anything you want in this series is covered this one's just a little bit more of an adventure flip yeah, right this not? is a D adventure party movie right it's a choose your own <laughs> choose your own adventure you know and it's it's just, it's okay, man. You guys talk about this movie so harshly. I actually really enjoy this movie. And on most great. days, I would choose to watch this one over part three because it's a little more fun and weird to yep. me. I like part three. I think part three is a, I think you can make a pretty good case <laughs> that most people would accept it's a better movie than Alien Resurrection. I, but I think Alien it. Resurrection is more fun. I agree. I raise a freeze-dried whiskey glass to it anytime it's on. Yeah. That arm hair, dude. Haunting. <laughs> I guess it did have some horror elements. I was it, like, it, how'd you even get that tank top on? I mean, how did we not do this for Werewolf Month? But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You win some That's why, he's, the, he's the long-lost descendant of the Pasadena Teen Wolves. He's just like, now I'm like a shitty space captain drinking How did we not program this next to the howling? I'll never know. That's true. Well, Failure is what we do here on this here ship. <laughs> now, all right, guys, I hope you had fun in our month of March Madness. <laughs> Next month, the pod takes the case. We are doing all courtroom films. Uh, um, up first, 
The Exorcism of Emily Rose. An amazing flick that we're very excited to talk about. So Lots excited. of fun guests coming up, guys. So you can go to Letterboxd and find our Film Alchemist podcast list uh, that lets you know everything we have coming up. Again, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on. Uh, anytime you want to get a hold of us, guys, we're here. And we love you guys. Available. We'll see you next month when we take the case. Uh, yeah, revisit Alien Resurrection, guys. You owe it to yourselves. Give it another shot, guys.